You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Album Tunes, Here Before You Die. For this episode, we'll be talking about Pink Floyd, Wish You Were Here. On the line, I have Ben. Which one is Pink? Rob. What's up? And John. Hi. Wish You Were Here is the ninth studio album by the English rock band Pink Floyd, released on the 12th of September, 1975, through Harvest Records and Columbia Records. It was their first release for the latter, and the producer was Pink Floyd, and the genre is psychedelic rock, hard rock. I'm going to read from All Music Review, Stephen Thomas Irwine. Pink Floyd followed the commercial breakthrough of Dark Side of the Moon with Wish You Were Here, a loose concept album about and dedicated to their founding member, Sid Baird. The record unfolds gradually as the jazzy textures of Shine On You Crazy Diamond reveal its melodic motif in its leisurely pace. The album shows itself to be a warmer record than its predecessor, Musically, it's arguably even more impressive, showcasing the group's interplay and David Gilmour's solos in particular. And while it's short on actual songs, the long, winding soundscapes are constantly enthralling. All right. What did we think of Pink Floyd? Wish you were here. Holy shit. I like this record. (laughs) Holy shit. (laughs) I I was not a, a Floyd fan as like a teenager or young adult, but listening to these albums now, like, Fuck, they're good. <laughs> yeah, they're a really good band. And I think they get thrown in the hippie bus so much that it hurts them. I I found this record at a Goodwill and it was too scratched to play. Oh man. Like it it was it just it it never played for me. I knew the I knew the album cover and I was like, man, that's a that's pretty cool. I knew, you know, Shine On You Crazy Diamond is a song. I knew uh, Have a Cigar is a song. Honestly, I knew all of these songs as their own thing. The fucked up thing for me is I just, I never realized like how synth-centric everything is on this one. I never somehow that, somehow that escaped my ear. And now I can't unhear it. Like the uh, Dark Side of the Moon one that we did like a few months back, again, I was like, I didn't know there were synthesizers on this. Yeah. And yeah, they're just fucking it's everywhere. And like, I don't know. It, I feel as if I've done myself a disservice by not hearing this like officially with, I mean, I haven't done myself a disservice at all. It's very fresh. It sounds great. Honestly, I think this is probably their best I've ever heard. Like th- this is, this is like kind of pink peak, peak pink Floyd for me. Um, again, 
there's only five tracks and every fucking track on this I've heard on classic rock radio. You can't say that. I don't think I could say that for any other record. Maybe Zeppelin four. And Do that's they have a, hard a radio name. edit of, of the versions of shine on. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I I've heard, I've heard complete, uh, I've heard uh, part two and part one without an edit. That's some late night radio Ooh. shit. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 94.7 W. QRF. Not QRF shit. I forget the Indiana what, call Q95. sign. Q95. Oh, Q95. Q95. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Q95. Yeah. 95.7 Q95. Oh, I've, I've heard. Was it for, was it for like carb day when they play their entire catalog in alphabetical order? No, but yes, cool I do thing know they that. Do. It takes yes, all week long and it fucking rules. You can <laughs> sure tell what does. day it is. Just like, oh, they're in the M's. Must be Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> is, is Carb Day the lead up to uh, the Indy 500? Yes, it is. Yes. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> when you eat all the breadsticks. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> nah, man. It, it's, it's not only like synth heavy. It's like these just beautiful textures no one's no one's just noodling for noodling's sake like i don't think i've ever heard a band care more about one note than this one like i they they, they put more thought into one note than i've put into entire albums <laughs> it's, it's fucking crazy yeah i was gonna I, I wrote something similar listening the other day to it and i said the song it might be the ultimate like psychedelic the culmination of like the psychedelic era uh it it does everything that the i feel like those bands were trying to do it captures rock elements while progressing through songscapes and soloing it's complex it's not overtly like proggy and everything naturally sort of meshes together in this beautiful song so yeah i i just feel like if, if you were to pick one song this uh, shine on might might kind of do it and it's so fucking sad yeah it's so sad <laughs> and the best part about the sadness isn't the fact that like roger waters wrote it to be sad it's a fact that the dude he was like writing the lyrics about showed up at the fu- like when they were mixing down the song and no one knew who it was. No one recognized Sid Barrett. And they all just fucking cried buckets <laughs> because he was so gone. Yeah. They, had, like that, that, that was the last time they saw him too. Yeah. He had shaved his head and his eyebrows and had put on a lot of weight. And clearly- because, because all he had in his fridge were pork chops. <laughs> well, and then the same day, like they were celebrating, uh, was Gilmore's it? wedding. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It's just such a crazy, like, factual event. Like, we're recording this song about the guy. The guy shows up. We haven't seen him in two years. Don't don't recognize recognize him. him. Like, God. I'd imagine that Gilmore's wedding was probably the reason he was in town. I'm sure he sent his whole buddy an invite. And then he he shows up early. You know, I'm, like, pontificating. He shows up early, wanders into the studio. And everyone just assumes he's someone else's friend. No one... No one really knows who's who's this dude sitting in the corner. Yeah, was it the drummer or the keyboardist who was like Sid? It was one of the two. Oh, <laughs> fucking heartbreaking, man. Like, yeah, and and like I know that they were not feeling so hot about recording any of this, and they like they, this took months and. 
many weeks of that were just like sitting and doing absolutely nothing in the studio. Then Roger Waters like got an idea, uh, which was some of the stuff they were doing off the 74 tour um, that he like wrote lyrics to. Gilmore fucking hated this from the from, from the get go. Other two dudes were into it. Um, so he was outvoted. And, but after all that said and done, Gilmore says this is his favorite of anything that they ever did. I think I read the same thing as you. And what I had taken from it was uh, like Roger's idea to split the song Shine Up you, Shine on Your Crazy Diamond in half and have it bookend the album as opposed to having it be uh, take up an entire side of it. And I think that that's what Gilmore was out. Yeah, that's right. On. That's yeah. right. Yeah, I think that was a smart choice. I mean, it, it does, works. It fucking it, works. I'm not. I'm not super crazy about the second half of Shine On You Crazy Diamond parts. That's oh, so good. Six it gets funky nine. It it gets funky, and I do like the funky part. And it gets synthy, and I do like that. But like, not as much as I like parts one through five. But that's yeah. just a personal taste. Yeah, that's my taste too. I love that this. It just goes it goes from the quarter notes into the triplets and like, you don't really notice it until like your head's bopping, like at a, uh, at a three versus a four. Um, like it's, it's so downbeat and simple yet incredibly complex. I don't fucking know. They do a cool, subtle, like thing with the rhythm on welcome to the machine. Also, Rob, mm-hmm. uh, so, you know, like the, the, the base of it is just that, that throbbing pulse of a, what's like an EMS VCS three synth. Mm-hmm. And then it's like throbbing on like the one and three. And then Roger waters is playing the exact same note, echoing it on the two and four and it's panned left and right. So it's like, wah, 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 wah. Yeah. And then every once in a while, they'll throw in a measure of seven. So now the synth is on, the twos and the fours and the bass on the ones and three, and you almost can't perceive it. But if you're listening to it with headphones and your brain gets used to like the backbeat being on the right side of your head. And then, it, yeah, just like every time they hit a measure of seven, it just like, it swaps. Cycles. Yeah. yeah. yeah there's cool. So fucking cool. Man. Definitely some <laughs> headphone listening tricks on the album for sure. And just the choice of mixing like acoustic guitar and synth is, I, don't, I thought that was interesting, like to choose to use, a non-electrified instrument with a synth and it, it adds a whole melodic element that I, I hadn't heard before. Yeah. They figured it out. I mean, they're, they're one of the bands that figured out that how to, how to create sounds, how to write these songs. Did any of you guys watch that animated video for welcome to the machine that was originally projected behind them on their 77 tour? Yeah. It did not. It's weird. <laughs> these guys had some visuals like they had, what like, Spitfire planes fly over crowds and stuff. I mean, they were they were making events when you went. That to probably see would them. have been the wall, huh? Uh, no, I think it was this tour. But I think uh, there was the wall had the giant tour. pig. Yeah, which Roger Waters still tours around with, if I'm not mistaken. Man, you would have thought it would have been animals that had the pig. Maybe I'm, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying it, 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 you would assume. It was no, no, I, I could I could very well be wrong. Yeah, I think it's animals. Fuck. <laughs>
two hours and all of a sudden I'm going to just be <laughs> 40 years in this planet. No, I'm not okay. How are you okay with this? <laughs> You've still got three hours, man. Oh, good. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> Plenty of time. <laughs> I mean, welcome to the, after Shine On You Crazy Diamond, obviously, welcome to the machine. It sounds like it's, it's hard to imagine like any, anybody else be able to create this sort of like dystopian sounding song that sounds so epic with just synth and uh, marimbas and all sorts of like operatic things. It's crazy. It's crazy how much goes into this uh, song and, and how it sounds. I heard that uh, Gilmore was having a trouble hitting uh, some of the higher notes on this. So they recorded it at a slower pace and then sped up the tape. Like they, well, they recorded the song and then they played it back and recorded his vocals at a slower pace. So it was lower and then sped up the recording. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Beatles did that a lot. I think a couple of uh, times. Yeah. A lot by, by, by a lot. I mean, two times, <laughs> you know, another, another good workaround for if you can't hit all the notes in the song you wrote is you hire your buddy, Roy Harper to sing lead like <laughs> on have a cigar. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was interesting. They said he had, uh, worn out his v- voice, on Wish You Were Here, and so they got a uh, Harper to do it, who's doing a another uh, another album at the same time at uh, Abbey uh, Road. Abbey Road. Yeah, uh, yeah. I guess they they talked about it afterwards, being that they didn't really like his presentation of it. They thought it was too kind of on the nose, you know, ironic and camp. But I, I, I liked love, his performance. I, yeah. I, I love his performance of it. I think it's great. Yeah, I've heard their performances on the documentary um, of them doing the songs and sort of the the engineer showing what they presented and then showing what he presented. And to tell you the truth, he he kind of he does a better job almost. <laughs> like he no, gives it you, his all for sure. You, you like you you can be you can be very talented at a whole bunch of things and still not have the natural singing ability of like, like both Gilmore and waters. Like they're great songwriters. Gilmore's one of the best lead guitarists of his generation. Uh, and they both sing fine. But like at this point they're writing songs that are that, that their own like modest voices ha- have some trouble with, you know? And you know, you, you got to do what you got to do. And sometimes your, your, your buddy's uh, in the studio next door and, and what you get out of it is a great recording of a really cool song. Yeah. yeah. That said, have a cigar is only one of two times they used a guest vocalist. What's the other time? The other is time it, is, uh, Ben, do you uh, know it? Is, uh, is it gig in the sky? Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Great. Gig yeah. in the sky with, uh, uh, Claire Tory. Cause I mean, that's, that's amazing. Song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but, but clearly a different style and, uh, and, and usage of a voice. Did any of you guys on welcome to the machine with that breakdown, get some serious Queensryche vibes? Oh, totally. I, yeah. I might not be as familiar with Queensryche's catalog as you assume. <laughs> Khashoggi <Yeah>. ship. <laughs> you should listen to silent lucidity and then, uh, the song silent lucidity and then listen to welcome to the machine and, and, Ask yourself, did they know this song before Silent City? You, you're wondering if, if, if in the past like 12 years, the guys from Queensright had heard "Wish You Were Here," yeah, an album that sold over 13 million copies. 
Shut up, guys. Uh, 19, 19 million. Yeah, I think 13 as of 2006. So. Yeah. Yeah, and then in the past, you know, uh, 14 years, it sold another, what, how many million? Six million? Yeah. <laughs> another classic album cover by design firm Hypnosis. Love that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What, Man, they are, they are like that in a thousand. Hip Gnosis. Yeah. Yeah. I love the, the album and the album art. Uh, it's really cool. They originally sent out those postcards um, with the with the inside uh, art uh, of the of California. It's like the la- the yeah, lakes the lake. coming out of the lake. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, the but, covers is the cover two guys shaking hands and one on fire. Yep. Yes. Yeah. But then there was a an opaque uh, shrink wrap with a second cover on it, mm. which is so cool. Like, uh, man, they're, they are putting in work. They are taking their time with their songs and they are, and they are re- releasing a aesthetically pleasing multi-layered package. There's a joke in there somewhere, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so you've seen like the, the, the Pink Floyd logo is the two robot hands shaking hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the image on the, the shrink wrap outer cover. And it was on a black background. So uh, like the hypnosis design firm or they're, they were theorizing that the underlying theme of the album, wish you were here was the absence of a presence, like specifically Sid Barrett, but just like, as far as themes go, it's not about necessarily Sid Barrett being gone. It's about the absence of something that should be there. So they thought by having this like black shrink wrap with a logo on it, it was like the absence of an album cover, like when it's sitting on the shelves and, you know, uh, like whether or not I, I agree with them that, that they were able to communicate that is beside the point. I just think it's, it's cool and it's ambitious. And I like that. I'm sure it costs extra money than they needed to. And it, and it's really cool. You know, (laughs) I, I can't imagine being a, a exec or whatever. And it's like, here's our, here's our album idea. And it's just black. It's just shrink wrapped in black. <laughs> None more. Well, they fucking hated it. Yeah, they, of course. They, 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 they said no. And then they somehow slapped that Pink sticker Ford on had enough clout. Yeah. To, uh, to get around it. Um, yeah. oh, so was it originally just black? Like yes. without the hand? Logo? Yes. <laughs> it, it did not have the hand uh, robot logo. It, it was just black. And then they, they decide, okay, we can slap a sticker on it. And I guess, you know, if you ever find that, then good luck. <laughs> An unopened copy. <laughs> yeah, I guess, a I guess uh, people did uh, did split the side with like a razor and get it out and still have the original on there. For the oh. for the for the like 2000s reissue of the vinyl, it's just, it's a outer sleeve. Like you don't need to tear it open. Yeah. It's just like a, a sleeve inside a sleeve. I've always liked to. Uh, I feel like Pink Floyd surrounded themselves with other artists and let them do their own thing from their, from their like cartoonists who did the wall or illustrator who did the wall um, to, you know, hiring hypnosis. And I feel like they never tried to like really, they just let these other people kind of help them create a sort of their mystique or whatever you want to call it. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I think the uh, the creative designer or whoever was working for hypnosis, uh, he spent a lot of, before he got to work. He spent a lot of time with the band just so he could understand the album, understand where they were coming from, 
and then and then he drew his own conclusions but uh, it's it's a cool process you know like he's putting in the time to really feel out what they're trying to do and then they're putting the trust in him for him just to be able to get to work you know did any of you guys um at the end of uh, Shine On You Crazy Diamond, Diamond Part 1, hear the keyboard guy uh, start playing like like slightly the um, C. Emily play refrain at the end of it? I, I heard to listen for it, but I couldn't hear it. I couldn't hear it either. Mm-hmm. Um, Is it it's, it's the end of Part 1 or the end of Part 5? I think it's the end of Part 1. Hmm. Um, okay. But yeah, but apparently that exists, which is a, a nod to Sid Barrett because he wrote that song, which I didn't realize that I knew that song. Uh, but from 1967, Pink Floyd. Um, we covered that yeah. album. I wasn't here for it. Yeah. Oh, what was that? Uh, wasn't was that, it 1967? It Were you guys in Pink Floyd back then? I I don't know. I, I yeah. don't know why I wouldn't have been there. Oh, uh, and, it was on a weekend. Okay. Yeah, it's on the Piper at the Gates of Dawn. Yeah. Okay. Right. It's the Thank opening you. track. Well, shit. <laughs> Sorry, I missed it, guys. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, apparently it's there as a like, hey, like yeah. nodding more towards that this is about Sid. Goddamn! What a cool record. I think, right? It's really cool. Yeah. You you all agree that the decision to break this up into Shine on Your Crazy Diamond at the beginning and the end is probably the right move to. Absolutely. Okay. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. I I originally thought it was strange to have a uh like have a cigar there. Um. I don't know. I guess I just felt like everything else was a bit cosmic and a bit out there and have a cigar felt very grounded in a bit of like rock and roll. It's in a good place on the album side two track one. Yeah. It's, it's the, it's also, it's the only track on this record that doesn't have like some kind of intro to ease you into it. The song just kind of starts. Yeah. And if it wasn't, just like if it wasn't where there's already a natural break in the flow where you need to get up and flip the record, I think it could have stuck out more like a sore thumb, but I think with this placing, I I don't know. I I think it works and it, it, I like the thematically after welcome to the machine going in to have a cigar, just going into just, you know, the dark sides of, uh, of success, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So contentious. By the way, which one's pink? They hate the. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, but can you imagine, like, sort of off of Dark Side becoming the biggest, like, top selling band in the world, like, having everything you've ever wanted, I guess, given to you, and then, like, well, now what the fuck do we do? <laughs> Got to reevaluate everything. Yeah. Yeah. And that they did. I fucking yeah. love at the end of Have a Cigar, this band pass filter 
that goes into uh, Wish You Were Here. W- Wish You Were Here, which is Gilmore with an amp inside of his car playing the opening chords while someone's tuning through the uh, the AM station. It's it's, it's a real cool so effect, cool man. And yeah, it, it sounds like they've tuned into the opening guitar line of wish you were here as it's playing on the radio like yeah, the, the radio goes through a few different channels and then it settles but like but sonically it still sounds tinny and far away like a car radio and then the lead guitar acoustic guitar line comes in over it yeah as if someone's like listening to the radio and playing along and yep. and then and then like the car radio fades out as the song progresses it's this, these guys and their fucking craft, man. Right? Yeah. It's like yeah. it's like they're artists or something. <laughs> uh, I do appreciate too. That's a twelve string he's playing on the radio, and then he plays the six string. You know, when it comes in, it just really, yeah, it, it's different enough. It's the same, but it's different enough to really make you uh, make it, grab you. It's incredible. And what a pretty song! Wonderful song. Yeah. It flows very well. Would you call it a country song? Hell Stay yeah, I would. <laughs> I mean, it, it sounds like it, right? It's got a country stuff. song. They went country and they went funk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it flows right. I mean, it's beautiful. It's it's gorgeous. I don't know. They can do it. Whatever it is that they want to do, they can do it. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't imagine Yeah, calling it anything else. I think it's a, the closest they probably ever get to, to country. It's amazing. Uh, or folk, I guess you could kind of call it folk too. If you didn't want to call it country, straight country. What do you think, Rob? Just enough to get a positive from you. <laughs> yeah, I fucking loved it. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think it's my personal favorite of their works. Floyd, yeah, I've heard a lot of people yeah. say it's their favorite. Uh, Pink Floyd. And, like, it, it just, I don't know. Like, and I think it might be because it's only five songs and technically four songs. If you don't split up the the first track. Um, but like, it, it's a completely like realized like idea and yeah, just the, the lyrics that John water or not John waters, Roger waters uh, <laughs> wrote for it. Just, it, it just makes me feel feelings. Like, I don't know. It, it's very good. And yeah, absolutely positive on my end. Positive for me as well. Uh, I know, I know all these songs, but I think this is the first time that I'd really just given them the space of the full album, you know, Pink Floyd's one of those bands that they, they take their time. They've got all the time in the world and every note is important and is given its space. And so I think like with an album like this, you really, you just need to sit down and give it the time. Uh, It's, it's, it's really good. I think this might be my favorite Pink Floyd uh, at this point as well, Rob positive from me. Yeah, I'm going to also give it a positive. Um, I, you know, I, I said that, you know, long ago as a youth, I wasn't really a Pink Floyd fan, but every Pink Floyd album that we've listened to so far, I've liked. Um, but this one, it, it's different. It's not that it's stripped down. I mean, there's definitely some some intense layering of, of synth and other sounds, but it seems it, it's it's it sounds a little more straightforward. You know, they're 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 putting forward the melodies and the vocals in a way that they're laying out a feeling of loss and a feeling of, you know, the, the record industry treating them like shit, even though, you know, this is how you get famous. It's, I don't know. It just, even though I've never experienced 
uh, being a famous rock star, uh, you, you, you empathize with them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Positive on my end for sure. I'll keep listening to this. I think what this one does too, that maybe dark side didn't have the opportunity to do is, um, obviously they have, I mean, strong concept albums, but I feel like this one might've been, they didn't ha- need to have a single, you know, money was the single on the, the previous album. And this one, they didn't have to say, all right, here's the, you know, this is the single and this is what's going to be played on the radio. So they had a little more opportunity to make a, a mature decision to say, well, we don't necessarily need something to be under five minutes, which that's have a cigar. So yeah, it's very cool though. Love the soundscapes. I mean, I'm into this kind of cosmic, non-jamming cosmic music, I guess. Very, very uh, thoughtful um, soundscapes, borrowing from Tangerine Dream and and all those other kind of soundscapey bands. It's awesome. Do we have uh, an album that isn't The Wall? Coming up in the book, uh, like is for, animals going to be here or is this, this it until the wall? I think this, this will be it until the wall. I can't. Right. Yeah. They're not going to uh, put any, anything else in between that. So I hear tell animals is a very good record and it comes out next year. Yeah. 76. Yeah. Ne- no, I think next we, time we, we hear Pink the Floyd, they'll be, have gone disco. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> disco Floyd, baby. <laughs> They get a little there on uh, Shine On, You Crazy Diamond. Uh, it's like <laughs> part eight or something like that. Yeah, it, gets, yeah. it gets funky. <laughs> and I, I had forgotten that. That is one thing I did for, uh, forget. All right, next time we'll be talking about Queen, a night at the opera. All right, thanks, y'all. A smile from a veil. Do you think you can tell? Did they get